You're tuned in to Positively Terrible. I'm producer Dan, and each week my buddy Scott and I discuss surviving and thriving after trauma. It's a journey that started when Scott, his wife's fiance, and her boyfriend walked into a bar. This week's decent human being is Daniel. He's got a fucked up story about traumatic brain injury, therapy, and recovery. Settle in, my terrible listeners. Today's episode is going to be Positively Terrible. Hey, Scott. Hey, Dan. How you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty good. How are you today? I'm doing great. Back from my quick little vacation to Denver. Uh, saw a great concert. Dealt with a lot of Swifties who had overtaken the city. Oh, and, my goodness. Uh, now I'm exhausted, but uh, I can get up for this. I'm excited about today's interview. Awesome. So am I. Who do we got? Yeah, we've got Daniel. Daniel, how are you? I'm doing great. All right. And what are you here for today? I'm just here to talk about my TBI, kind of how I got it, my recovery process, and go from there. Okay, okay cool. You're, so TBI, traumatic brain injury that you suffered back in, in high school. So we'll get right to that. But really quick, as usual, I'm going to go through the the um, the housekeeping stuff. And you know, I keep telling everyone, please go like the Facebook page, like the Instagram page. We are getting more. We're getting more likes everywhere. I love it. Uh, they're both at Positively Terrible. Uh, and then the Patreon page, we're populating that now. We do have it published, but now it needs some content to give you reason to sign up for it. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't know, Patreon is a way that you can support artists online. So it's like three bucks a month. You'll get a download of the, the theme song that nobody else in this world has access to. We own nobody. That. Nobody exclusive. You, you cannot get that from the streaming services. Uh, don't try to Shazam it or whatever it's called these days where you f- play the songs for your phone and try to figure out what it is because you won't find it. Um, then we've got some other stuff, other video that's going on or sorry, audio that's going on uh, and some other cool projects that, that we're thinking about putting up there. So please go ahead and do that. If you want to be a guest on this show, you can send us an email at podcast at positively terrible.com. And finally, the tattoo. If you want the tattoo, decent fucking human. Nobody I've got wants four it. Four people who have said they're getting it. You've got I've, four liars that have sent you an email. Oh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that two of them are going to do it for sure. I can probably convince my mom to do it just because she's going to want to make you eat your words. So th- I look forward to it. <laughs> All right. So remember, the the tattoo is decent fucking human or it's DFH, I will pay for either of those for the first five people that get them. And speaking of my mom, what an episode last week. I thought that that was just kind of an awesome one. So if you haven't listened to that, it was kind of emotional listening to my mom tell about the time she found her uh, friend uh, murdered and the the shit that she had to go through after that. So go back and listen to the last episode. Anyway, I think that covered Dan, Dan, producer Dan, does that cover it? That covers it. 
All right. Daniel. Scott's mom's a tough act to follow, Daniel. I hope you don't <laughs> screw this one up. Well, we'll give it a we'll give it the good old college try. All right. We appreciate well, it. Well, Dan and I tend to screw things up on our own anyway, so that's probably not a risk. Uh, you'll just fit in. It'll prove that you're a decent fucking human and, and belong perfectly on this podcast if you if you screw it up as well. But Daniel, you you uh, you had a car crash back in high school. Mm-hmm. and had a traumatic brain injury. So that's the conversation you and I had had. Yeah. So kind of want to start back then. What? So how old were you? Like what year in high school were you? That kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was actually, it was July 7, 2009. So I was in the summer going from junior to senior year. So my my next door neighbor at the time of my childhood house asked if I could take a take a day off work and we were going to go up to rural Wisconsin and hang out with some of his family and okay. lo and behold on our way back we were slowing down for a stop sign on a country road and it's kind of more of an SUV type vehicle and the right two tires went off or the right side two tires went off the road uh, he corrected went to the oncoming lane corrected again and just the size of the vehicle and having new tires and we ended up rolling four times. So wow. that was the the last thing I remember was looking down and seeing wires. And then I woke up three days later in a, from a coma. So that's yeah. wild. Yeah. Before I dive into the serious stuff, I will say that July 7th, 2009, I was preparing for my 30th birthday the next day. I, I, I was just a young man myself, still in my 20s for the, for the final day of my life. So you grew up in rural Wisconsin then, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, around just north of Milwaukee, so just south of Green Bay. Okay. And, uh, and where exactly were you going up to for... Uh, for this weekend or we were, we were in going up to the door county area of wisconsin if okay. you're familiar with that i know yeah it's a beautiful area vacation there so yeah correct me if i'm wrong what's that it correct me if i'm wrong isn't stephen avery's family from making a murder from just like south of uh green bay that's actually the city i grew up in no shit. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a different podcast. <laughs> totally different podcast. Well, yeah. Dan and I have a ton of different podcast <laughs> ideas, so uh, maybe we'll we'll jump on that one. Okay. Yes. So I don't know who that is. I have not listened to that podcast, but it's not completely relevant to the story, is my guess. But Dan will will fanboy later and ask you a bunch of questions. I'm sure. The follow up podcast is going to be Scott watching that. all right so you so so you grew up in rural wisconsin and and from what i understand uh door county is a pretty popular area to to head up and have Mm -hmm. a weekend or vacation or whatever and was there a particular reason that you guys went up there i I mean was it did somebody have a cottage or anything up there yeah so so my neighbor had some family that lived up there they had a pool uh we went up to play mini golf you know, we were headed home at like five in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You know, so you guys were not out being riffraff. No, no. <laughs> it's pretty wholesome anyway. things. <laughs> yeah, no, no alcohol or anything involved. Just right. you know, just a freak accident. Yeah. And so, like at about that age, like tell me, tell me a little bit about you. Like, what were you into? Yeah. So, that age, I was still physically fit, working mm-hmm. out. 
I worked a part-time job at a grocery store. Okay. You know, still trying to figure out where I was going with my life. And I mm-hmm. will say that the accident, you know, really oriented me towards that helping profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't think I'd land in social work, but after my accident, I talked to my sister, who's a social worker in Wisconsin. I was like, this is pretty dope. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, that pretty lost, I would say, in terms of, you know, where, what are my values? What am I leaning yeah. towards? Where am I going? Probably would have just, you know, either defaulted to a business major or joined the military or something. Sure. Sure. And you're young. I mean, most people at 16, 17 years old kind of don't put a lot of thought into life. They just live mm-hmm. it. And I, I say 16, so most adults don't put all that much thought into life and just kind of live it. So, you know, it, it it might feel looking back like it was a little bit lost or not really decided, but I, I think that's to be expected at the time. So you did you excel in school or play sports or anything like that at the time? So I actually quit basketball to get that part-time job because my idea was, oh, I could save money and buy a four-wheeler and start racing, but that didn't happen. (laughs) But that physical fitness piece, you know, running and working out, I mean, it carries with me to today. So was definitely into that and definitely hanging out with friends, bonfires, stuff like that, you know, a good rural bonfire. Those are, that's like the only thing I miss about growing up in a a small community is, and and I didn't get invited to all that many of them. I wasn't (laughs) the most popular guy in in town, but the occasion that I got to go to a bonfire, Oh God, those, and and I wasn't a drinker in high school or anything. The other kids, they'd usually be drinking around the fire, but um, I I remember those. I, I almost even remember the smell of your clothes the next day sitting mm-hmm. in your hamper fondly right yes. i just got back from camping like an hour ago in michigan and i oh. smell like a bonfire right now <laughs> all right <laughs> well and i don't know if my mic's picking it up but neighbor francis's dog for episode two are barking outside my window so if if, if they if you can hear that they're just saying hi some real ambiance we got yeah. a little audience <laughs> for for sure i just hope that their chickens don't start screaming it it actually sounds like they are i i swear that there's one that's a comedian in there because it sounds like they're laughing very hard a lot of the times but anyway off track again or already but okay so sir so you're a young man doing what young men do figuring out you know what your next steps are going to be Mm-hmm. Um, working out, have a goal of getting this four wheeler. I think you said, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you and your buddy decide to head up to, to door County. So do you even, do you remember like the weekend you had the things that you guys did? I mean, we were just up there for a day. It was the middle of the week. Oh, it was oh okay. I'm sorry. I must've missed that. There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I remember swimming. I remember going mini golfing. Mm-hmm. I, I ate a bunch of cherries off of cherry trees. Well, Ooh, yeah. we were at, at our neighbor's house or our neighbor's family's house. Mm-hmm. And then I threw up in the accident and I haven't had a cherry since. <laughs> so, you know, See, what, I, what a thing to ruin. I was right. going to say, I've, I know a lot of people have ruined a lot of drinks, but cherries. Oh, I'm sorry. I love cherries. I, yeah. I, I I don't envy you for, for more than one reason, but this uh, is is not ideal. Okay, so um, so you had a, you had a you had a day. It, just, yeah, it was pretty chill. Not, yeah, it sounds like it. Nope. 
and then you so you left mm-hmm. and you said heading back around five o'clock i think yeah i think if if i remember correctly the accident was at like five sixteen or five twelve in the afternoon okay and we were headed back because i was actually supposed to video call with one of my friends uh, um in europe and oh, okay. that's why we had that's why we left early so got it yeah. back in those days you had to get home for a, a real computer to be able to do that is that what you're saying yeah, that's right. There was maybe two G. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, how far into the drive were you? Oh, geez, I think we were less than five minutes away from the house. From the, the destination? Yeah, from where we okay. were. So we were pretty close. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. and um, and it was a, uneventful up until that point. Yeah. Or? It was just a normal day. We're just talking, fun, whatever. Drinking LaCroix, eating cherries <laughs> off the tree, swimming. Yeah. And then I was like, hey, we got to get going because I got to I gotta meet my buddy online. Okay. And okay. took off. And, you know, it's not like some, you know, dramatic story. I dropped something. The driver was trying to find it. And then that's where the swerve off the road happened. And oh, boy. So he took his eyes off the road and just was distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no fault right. of his own because he was helping, you know. Sure, like, sure. Oh God, I mean, I no, yeah. I'm sure no blame. And honestly, but, like him, because I was knocked unconscious, and then mm-hmm. he was still conscious, and he found our phones and called okay. EMS right away, and then called his mom, and then because it's like a rural area, they have small hosp- smaller hosp- oh, yeah. trauma hospitals up there, and his mom's a nurse. Uh, just happened to be and she told the ems providers that if i had a brain injury by the time they take me and assess me and then admit me that they're gonna have to transfer me so just take me right away to one of the larger hospitals in green bay oh yeah she, yeah that, that makes probably, probably the first two things that saved my life that makes a lot of sense i mean i i'm from a rural area as i've said by probably twice already on this but the 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 medical facilities just aren't equipped in, in mm-hmm. my area, and and we'd have to get, you know, they'd get the helicopters and take people out to Peoria, mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. So, do was, what do you remember about it? I mean, well, you dropped something. Your buddy was looking yeah, for it. He took he took a panel underneath the steer or underneath the stereo off. And I mm-hmm. just remember seeing the red, yellow, and blue wires. That's it. I don't remember anything. You don't remember? Woke, woke do you, was there any sound or anything that you remember or just? Nothing. The, I woke up in the hospital three days later and I thought I had gone through, because I, I, I had gone to visit my, or I was planning to go visit my buddy in Europe that I was going to go talk with in the mm-hmm. future. And I had never gone through like a time change like that, right? And I, when I came to in the ICU, I thought I went through the time change. And I was like, what, what just happened? <laughs> and then like, I couldn't move. Yeah. And then, you know, stuff started filtering in. Yeah. Wow. What do you mean you couldn't move? I mean, I mean, I could move, but I had a feeding tube, you know. Catheter. Okay. So you had some pretty. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pretty, so I had, pretty brutal I had brain surgery from the accident. Okay. They had to take part of my skull off, stop the brain bleed. I had a fractured skull. I had a stroke in my left prefrontal lobe, and then my left lung was collapsed. So, the whole this whole time I'm in the I'm in a coma, 
the professionals are, are telling my family that they can't even touch me because it could overstimulate my my nervous system, right? So they're just watching me. So how are your parents doing? Right now? Uh, well, not, sure, both, but <laughs> it's well, how are moment. they now? They doing all right? I mean, I mean, they didn't know. So my mom was at work till they could finally get a hold of her, and then my mm-hmm. dad was actually watching my high school's basketball team play summer league. And he wasn't like paying attention to his phone because it was loud in the gym. Right. So he, I don't think they knew until like seven ish. But my sister at the time actually lived like five minutes away, 10 minutes away from the hospital. So she was there and trying to okay. get a hold of everyone. But oh, wow. yeah, I mean, you know, it was rough for them. You know, the doctors were like, we don't know if he's going to make it through the night. If he does, next 24 hours are going to tell us a lot about his recovery process and kind of show us you know, what it's going to look like. So, so did they, did, did, and was that true? Did they start figuring out like in the first 24 hours, like, okay, he's going to make it through this. And um, I think to my extent, yes, mm-hmm. because I, you know, survived the surgery. I think some of, I, and I don't know, cause I was unconscious, mm-hmm. but I think that there, a lot of, a lot of the signs kind of started happening after the third day because after the third day they would wean me off of the medical coma during the day and then put me back in at night and when i was lucid they would see me like crossing my crossing my legs like when i was laying down on the couch like a similar way Mm -hmm. and then i think it was i don't know what day it was but i was still in the icu and i asked if i could get my library book from the house to try to read and the speech Mm -hmm. therapist was like i don't believe you so you have to read a sentence or two to me first, like show me you can. And then I mm-hmm. did. Um, so like some of those things started happening, but wow. I can still remember them pulling out the feeding tube and like that sensation. Oh, you know? I don't want to know that sensation. <laughs> Is that up through yeah. your nose? Is that right? Uh, this one was through my throat. Yeah. Okay. Or down my mouth. Um, and just kind of feeling that come up. And so when they pulled I'm- the catheter out, felt that. <laughs> It's positively it, terrible, man. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it. At what point, like, I mean, were you just, was it just confusion when you started coming out of it? Yeah, it was confusion. I didn't really know what had happened, right? Mm-hmm. So they would give me, you know, little bits of information. I don't, and to be honest, I don't even remember, like, I remember bits and pieces of coming out for the first few days. And then mm-hmm. I started being able to put like narrative memory back together. Okay. And just random, you know, pieces. I would, you know, can remember seeing my mom sitting next to my bed. You know, my dad in the room, family in the room. Um, and they would kind of rotate in shifts, right? Because they mm-hmm. all have their own lives to keep going to, right? And kids and stuff. Yeah, I remember like having a wild sense of humor when you're on some really strong pain meds. Like <laughs> everything was funny. And there's no filters. There's a whole genre of uh, online videos that are people coming out of surgery. So, right, right. And like the speech therapist at the time was like, How tall am I? And like she was shorter. And -hmm. I was like, Up to my mom's boob. Like that's how I like (laughs) measured, you know? Okay. And then that's fair. And then a couple of my classmates came to visit and I, one of the classmates actually passed out and had to go get checked out because they fell and hit their head <laughs> when they saw me in the, in the hospital. Bed. Oh, wow. And 
I mean, that's kind of irony, right? Like somebody being evaluated for a head injury when they're going to visit <laughs> somebody with a head injury. Sure. But I couldn't stop laughing because of how the person fell against the wall <laughs> and then they fell into the trash can. You know, you know, and uh, I, we were concerned obviously for the other person. But, sure. Doesn't um, make it not funny. No. Sure. And like the meds, like I couldn't like filter that out, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with your buddy during this time? Did, did he have spend any time in the hospital? I, I know he was evaluated. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I remember correctly, he had a minor concussion mm-hmm. and I don't want to speak inaccurately. So I don't, I don't remember all of the injuries. I know he had a few cuts and I can't remember if he had like whiplash or not. But compared to you, he got off pretty easy. He got maybe a night in the ER tops. Yeah. I mean, medically wise, yes. Yeah. But, you know, up to this point in time, like, well, I shouldn't say up to this point in time. When I lived in Wisconsin, like we would go work out together and like he would still have images of me like all bloody in the passenger seat, you know. So, I mean, medically, maybe. Right. Maybe psychiatrically, mm-hmm. he, he, he has other stuff. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, for so, sure. Well, and 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 the, those are harder to heal a lot of the time. Can be, yeah, yeah. Not, not always, but but a lot of the time they are. Mm-hmm. All right. So were were you both still in the vehicle? You might have said it. I'm I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah. So thankfully, we were all buckled in. So, okay. Um, there was no ejection. Okay. Um, I mean, all just... the all of the windows were blown out and everything, but yeah. Mm-hmm. When you Probably. were, when you were coming to and, and realizing, I mean, did it take a while for you to realize just what kind of recovery you were in for? Yeah, and I think there was also like some like Midwest stubbornness too that probably <laughs> also saved me. Okay, because the doctors, I can't remember if this was because I did ten days in the ICU and then seven days inpatient rehab. And I can't remember where it was, but the doctors were like, you know, we don't think you're going to graduate high school with the class you started with. And I said, no, and, I and how much school did you have left? You said I'd it was senior year. Okay, right. And I told them, no, I would. And I did. And, wow. you know, I mean, I think there's some of that, like, you, you know, you're going to, everyone's going to go through shit. Right. right. And it's like, how do you use it to just keep going as a springboard? Yeah. So, so yeah. when they said that, was it because, I mean, and, and I don't understand a lot about TBIs, right? Mm-hmm. Was did was did they think that because of just the amount of time you were going to have to spend doing things, or is your mental capacity does that need to come back? I mean, is All, it okay? Yeah, I mean, and there and there's more pieces than just those two, right? So there's like your your ability to, you know, reason, ration, make rational decisions, mm-hmm. all these different impulse controls. Like they took my license because they're like, we don't know a, if you're going to have a seizure B, if you're going to, if you have the ability to like ration, okay, stop sign or stop and go light is, you know, 50 yards away, start slowing down. Right. Also the fatigue level after a TBI is so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's horrific. Like I would go to school for four hours and come home and sleep for three. Yeah. Right. And then I would still sleep 14 hours at night. Wow. So, I mean, just like I could be a caterpillar. Like you <laughs> just cocoon it. 
like that would have been great but you also need to like push yourself right and get that stamina back so so after i was you know discharged from the hospital i did three months of physical therapy and then 17 months of speech therapy so you know a year and a half of speech therapy working on like you know it gets so frustrating when you're sitting in those one-on-one sessions and they're like tell me tell me the different words that all sound like here, right? And there's here, like the hearing, there's here, like here's location or there, mm-hmm. right? Or they are, and you're like, I can only think of one. Wow. You know? And like, that's a speech therapy target. Okay. Okay. Right. I had a lot of questions about the uh, speech therapy because I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was thinking, you know, you're, you're a kid and you can't pronounce your R's correctly. And, you know, you, you, do, you have that type of stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not just like the forming of the words from the physical standpoint. That no, it's, it's, it's everything from the yeah. brain. And okay. Mm-hmm. It's your cognition. And because they had the, because they had to cut the whole left side of my, my skull or my scalp, they had to cut through all the muscles on the side. So everything over here was paralysis. So it all pulled to the right. So then they had to do like shock therapy on certain areas to get those neurons firing to start mm-hmm. straightening out, right? And then it's also like tasking your memory. So they'll give you five words and they'll review them in five minute chunks, 10 minute chunks, 20 minute chunks, like working on memory recall. I mean, okay. they're, and I can't, I can't do it justice because I'm not a speech therapist. Yeah. 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 Right? I get, I'm just recalling like some of the stuff we did. And I'm just like, I used to be able to do this and I can't do it anymore. Right. Was was that discouraging? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, could you hold like, could you hold a pretty typical conversation from the start? What was it that triggered your need for uh, speech therapy? Yeah, so part of the need was that muscle, like cutting all those muscles and like them needing to shock, right? Working again because they weren't sure. Like sometimes the area of the brain I damaged was my um, my temporal lobe. So that ha- holds a lot of language okay. and, and comprehension. So they're like, okay, we may need to do this, right? And then also they do screeners throughout, you know, say, hey, like, how's your attention capacity? What's your memory looking like? What's your recall looking like? What's your working memory looking like? So then you have indicators of like, hey, this person already has deficits here. Okay. Right? And then there's also it's called neuropsychological testing. So it's usually done by a trained neuropsychologist and they do a battery of tests, right? And those tests are like manipulating objects to, to match forms of like of the book or working memory essentially. And then from that report, you get deficits. Mm -hmm. And then from those deficits, speech therapy comes in and targets those. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that's one of the things that I was wondering. Like, it sounds like speech therapy isn't just strengthening your verbalization and speech. It's, it's, it sounds like they're seeing some deficits and there's ways to use it to work your brain. I guess from a layman is is, is just okay. These are the ways that the brain needs to be worked out, <laughs> and, and we we're going to do it. Right, and and the brain injury is there, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to create new neural pathways. So it should be hard, right? Yeah. But can speech therapy also be about pronunciation and oral speaking and giving presentations? Absolutely. Sure. Sure. 
but then there's also very niche areas too. Right. Oh man, I had a good question. I can't remember. Dan, what question do you well, have? While you're thinking, so you did speech therapy mm-hmm. uh, for a year and a half, give or take. Yeah, two, Is that right? Two to three times a week. Wow. And then uh, physical therapy as well, right? Yeah. And how long was the physical therapy? A lot shorter, if I three remember. Three months. Right. Yeah. Three and I months. Would do it, I think I was doing it twice a week. And yeah. so you're doing your f- therapy, mm-hmm. physical and, and, and uh, speech. What else, like what, how long were you in the hospital? And then what came after that? Yeah. So I was in the hospital for 17 days, 10 days ICU, seven days inpatient rehab, and then they discharged me back home. And then that's where the outpatient physical therapy and outpatient speech therapy, because mind you, like when you're in the ICU, they have you on a feeding tube, you know, you're getting calories, but it's not like you're eating at home. Mm-hmm. So I lost 20 pounds in 19 day, 17 days. Right. And then I was also kind of banged up from the car accident. Mm-hmm. Um, like my, my, my right shoulder blade still wings out when I go lift. And I, I just something that I'm going to have to live with. I, I, I have, if I stub my toe, I'm not working out. Okay. So (laughs) I mean, actually I think I stubbed my toe in like 2010 and I still haven't worked out since. So that's that, that I, I I think that that's pretty amazing that you're, that you're still feeling things, but have, have overcome a lot of it physically. Uh, I remember my question. Um, Do you feel like you're, you came or were you the same person in, at the end, like did your, and I'm speaking from like the perspective of the way your, your brain is working, not from the lessons learned or anything, but mm-hmm. did you come back and, and become kind of the same person you were before? Like everything for like, what's that? Like cognitively. Well, cognitively, even personality. I think my, my personality is probably the same. Mm-hmm. I would say my character shifted because I was much more like value oriented after the accident right like can knowing from all the care that i received somewhere in the medical or helping profession right Mm -hmm. didn't know where until i talked to my sister all right knew it wasn't probably in the military unless i joined after i had gone to school or something like that but again Mm -hmm. i can't even join the military because i have a tbi so i would have to find like a back door okay cognitively it probably wasn't until geez 2009, probably like 2020, I'm sorry, 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. maybe even 2013. Like I, I didn't feel like I had like that, that capacity. Yeah. Wow. Again. Do you remember when you kind of realized that you felt like you were back? I don't. That's almost <laughs> I, a good I thing though. I think it's, it's just been, you know, like, like when, especially in terms of like recovery or therapy. I think like when somebody is like, you know, trying to be sober or something, right. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is. It's like those first like six months, a year, you see those huge milestones, right. Mm-hmm. Then as you get into recovery longer and longer, it's very like small marginal things that you, you know are tweaked or mm-hmm. that you notice. And I think sometimes I just don't pay attention. Yeah. The only thing I really pay attention to now is like I can get concussions easier or like another TBI. So like I can't go skiing, like, mm-hmm. can't go pay, pick up games for basketball or 
you know, if I'm changing something underneath the car, like I need to be very careful of how I get out from under the car sure. so I don't hit my head again, you know? So like those things I'm still aware of, very aware of, but I don't like recall like that. You know? I'm, I'm over here chuckling again. Cause Daniel, you're doing the, those thoughts don't enter my mind. I'm, I'm not going, I'm not getting under my car. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm not that kind of guy. So uh, I, I'm from now on, I'm just going to say it's, oh, I, I, I do not need a concussion at this point in my life. No TBIs for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like that that's a kind of a good thing that you can't pinpoint that moment though. It's like life had been returning to normal. You had, you'd gotten through the major milestones. Do, is there a, a milestone that you'd like a major one that would you, you would kind of consider the final one that you remember? And it's okay if not. I mean, I mean, there was big milestones. Like mm-hmm. I remember being transferred from ICU to inpatient rehab. I remember being, I remember the car ride home Okay. from the hospital. I, you know, when I started high school, my senior year, the only person outside of my parents or family I would trust to drive me was actually the person who I was in the accident with. And he would drop me off at school wow. because I couldn't drive because I, I, they took my license. Why do you think you, you still trusted him? Oh, I mean, without him and his, him and his family, I probably would have died. So, right. I mean, right. do accidents happen? Sure, yeah. shit, man. Yeah. Like, was there any malice in it? Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And, and I didn't think there was. I just, yeah. it just seems like, you know, for some people, it might have been a trigger yeah. the other direction, right? For sure. I but mean, when I was in I was gonna say it's kind of incredible though that you're seeing him as kind of the person who saved your life, not the oh, person yeah. who sent it on this other trajectory. Yeah. yeah. No, I still message I messaged him on July seventh, so eight was it nine days ago? Yeah. It's like, hey, thanks again. You know, and mm-hmm. a couple of times ago when we were back in Wisconsin visiting, you know, met up with him, met his family and stuff. So God, that's so awesome. I I love that. Do you remember the first time you saw him after the accident? Or at least the first time you can remember. I, I know that you, there's probably yeah, a lot remember, that's fuzzy. I don't remember the first time because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he saw me before I was even lucid. Sure. I remember being inpatient in rehab. Mm-hmm. We were allowed to like eat in a dining room, so to speak. And I remember having dinner with him or, or a meal with him. I don't remember what we talked about. Mm-hmm. I just remember like the images mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure his dad was there too, or his dad was nearby. Okay. I just remember seeing that too. But okay. Yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely a part of recovery. I mean, I would go work out with him after, mm-hmm. you know, once we were home and like I was cleared to work out, um, we would go running together. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I can't speak for your friend and I know you can't either, but I can, I can't imagine how, you know, he might've had those emotional scars, but I can't imagine how helpful it must've been for his recovery that you trusted him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can't speak for him. He's mentioned some stuff and, and I think, I think there is, and mm-hmm. And I I don't want to speak for him, but of course, and, and I wouldn't a, want you to. Definitely a big shout out for what him and his his mom did for me. Yeah. So you graduated high school with your class. 
right? I did. I did. I only had to my first. So we did the quarter system, if you're familiar with that yeah. in school. Yeah. Um, and luckily up to that point, I had passed all my classes. So I had like the graduated with the bare minimum, but I graduated. Um, so <laughs> Me too, first, man. Not because of my brain injury, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so made the, it. First, the first time or the first semester I did two half days. So literally like two hours, two hours a day. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go home and take a one to three hour nap. And then the second semester, I did one full day and a half day. So the but school I mean, was was pretty supportive then to allow oh, yeah. this. I probably wouldn't have graduated if, you know, they were everything from, you know, how do we, because we had floors in our school, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, like walking up, down, up and down stairs, right? I mean, like I had to relearn how to walk uh, on a certain level. Right. And so, you know, like kids going up and down staircases, going to and from classes or whatever, running. And like if I got bumped or whatever. So they had to do a lot of a lot of kind of education to the student body about like, hey, we have a student, you know, it's going to need a little space on the stairwell. Mm-hmm. Or and did you know? Did you know most of that your class was it? A, that was yeah. It a, I mean, okay. there was only three hundred some kids in our high school. Okay, so it wasn't like like a thousand kids school, you know, or a thousand right. grade school. I mean, right? Yeah. So, so were, were the kids generally encouraging? Yeah, I would say yeah. It was. It was pretty. I don't want to say easy. Like it wasn't easy to go back to school and like sit, but like the staff, the students, the teachers. I mean, they made it right. as best as I could, or it so, could have been. So at what point did you realize that you were going to graduate with your class? Was it was it this like the last minute when you got all your grades back, or was it pretty no, clear? No, I mean, that... I knew I was going to pass. Like, I, okay. didn't have, I didn't have that piece, but I mean, I think I think that part of what I said, when, and I can't remember if I was in the ICU or in the inpatient, mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm going to graduate with my mind so you knew like, right, you, you, there, there, it wasn't down to the wire. You're like, I'm doing it, and you did it. No, okay, yeah, it wasn't down to the wire. Like I cool. knew I was passing my classes and right. stuff, and right. you know, yeah, teachers had to be flexible with deadlines and stuff. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, my exec, my ability to execute at that high level. I mean, because really, like my my execution was pretty poor, <laughs> and they were very flexible. So. Yeah, nice. So. You made it. Yeah. And did you go to college right after that? Did you take time off? What'd no, you do? I did. I went right in, but I took the minimum classes to be full-time to qualify for FAFSA. And um, and what's FAFSA? Sorry. The federal student aid. Okay. Thank oh, you. I can tell yeah, you about yeah. FAFSA. I'm still paying. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I lived at home my first year. And I commuted because I went to university in Green Bay for my undergrad. Mm-hmm. So it was only a 23-minute drive one way. So I'd go to and from. And How'd then, you get there? Were you driving yourself? I did. So I think they held my license, I don't remember correctly, three or four months, mm-hmm. I want to say. I think I got it back that fall of 2009. But I had to retake the retake the driver's test. Okay. Would, would you have ended up at that university had it not been for the injury or is it just the most convenient thing that's a good question i don't know because i wasn't sure if i was going to go to college or go oh, military that's right. that's right you know yeah 
would I have maybe went like community college first? Maybe. But I really didn't know where I wanted to go in college. So maybe I would have taken a couple gap years, you know, right. but I probably would have just ended up doing blue collar work or something. Right. You know. Okay. So you took yeah. the minimum to start. Yeah. And did you feel like your experience was fairly normal for a college student at that point? Or did it evolve over the, the years? It evolved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that first year pretty disconnected from the student yeah. body, right? I'm still only, what is it, a year out from my recovery at that time, mm-hmm. right? So I'm still in speech therapy, like still doing all those things. So did that affect your confidence, like to meeting new people and stuff at that point that you weren't fully completed? Well, I mean, I mean just my ahead. confidence in life, yeah. Oh, like, okay. You know, I mean, confidence in terms of meeting people, Sure, but like I could meet people, but if they were like, hey, we're going to a, pri- a party Friday night, you know, it's like I can't go because I'm going to be in bed by seven. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, and you probably don't want to be the guy that your response to everything is I had this car accident. I went through yeah. all this. Uh, so, you, you know, you don't want that to define you. Yeah. Well, and I mean, hmm, I'm trying to think how to say that because it, it does define me on a certain level. Yeah. Not, not as somebody who's like injured or crippled, right? But I mean, that was a right. pivotal moment. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't be where I am today as like I, a therapist. I can relate to you a lot because this podcast was born from my trauma. Mm-hmm. And I will say it, I don't want what I went through to define me, but it's a part of my life that sent me in a direction. And I am particularly proud of my response to it. So yeah, it's both Hell of yeah. those things. Right. right. Yeah. Like so. I still have glass on my arm from a cut from the accident <laughs> that you can right. feel, you know, and it's like, it's still there. Right. Like yeah. you still see the scars on your body and, you know, some of them, right. Are internal that you can't see. And yeah, but I mean, I would say it's had a m- much more of a net positive yeah. influence in my life, even though it was some hard shit. Yeah. And I want to talk about that in a second, but this just made me think, you know, last week I, I interviewed my mom and, and her story, and you just said you have glass in your arm. Do your children know the story? Yeah, but I mean, they're five and younger, so right. they, they they don't know so much, you know. Right. Um, but will they? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I hey, think they're going to listen to a podcast someday about it. Yeah, so. Right. <laughs> And I, I also think too, like we, we as a society need to look at like adversity can be very defining, mm-hmm. right? Both, both if we just allow it to define us and almost be like, um, like a pawn to it, or we can just say, okay, how do I harness this stuff and, yeah. and run you, with it? Cause you, you can, can probably see how exciting excited this is making me because yeah i can see one, you moving in your chair <laughs> <laughs> that's the adhd i mean but what, one of the things that i've told people from the start is people are going to talk one way or another mm-hmm. i can own this story or i can let it own me yeah so right. oh, God, i didn't I want that. that tbi to own my life yeah all right. I feel okay. I like this. I, yeah. I, I, we, this, this, it's really resonating with me. Mm-hmm. 
So let's go back. You you went to college. Let's talk about. You said that that was the 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 moment that kind of changed your future. I guess was the way that I'm not using your words, but what you're saying. And yeah. you've talked about social work and therapy. And you mentioned your sister too. So I, I guess there's a lot here that yeah. I kind of have questions about. Like, was was your sister a social worker? I guess is one thing mm-hmm. I'll say. Okay. Yeah. So actually. I mean, I mean, it come a lot of trauma response comes down to your support network, mm-hmm. right? And I couldn't be left alone because I was getting cleared for seizures if I was going to have any, right? And they wanted to make sure. And I know when I was, I'm pretty certain it was when the accident happened and I was in the hospital and stuff. And then afterwards, my sister, who's a social worker, actually stayed with me and rearranged her college schedule, class oh, wow. schedule. And she had a and she had a one and a half year old at the time. Because wow. I remember her, I remember my niece, like, like she was learning how to, she was learning to make noises. Mm-hmm. And I can, I was sleeping in my room, and I could hear my sister telling my niece, like, Shh, Uncle Daniel's sleeping. <laughs> and I can like recall that process right. in my head, you know, right. But yeah, so she was, she was in the process of becoming a social worker, and then mm-hmm. I think she graduated like right after that. And, and, and how long did you need her there? I mean, I say I say her, but she probably wasn't the only person that was. Around, yeah, she right? was, she was. I think, and again, Working like family or... rotated, mm-hmm. right? Because like FMLA only covers for so long, and then yeah. vacation you only have so many PTO days to use, and yeah. employers are going to make their own rules, so. I don't know. I think I want to say like maybe she was there for two or three weeks. Okay. I want okay. to say I don't really remember the length. Maybe a month. Yeah. Well, pro- probably not super important at this point. I'm just curious. Yeah. And yeah, you, no. You, but I mean, I had you know I came home middle of July. I had somebody at home with me until I went to school. Okay. In August and mid, at the late late right. August. So well, it sounds like you've got an incredible family. I, I mean, most families would do that, I know, but not all of them. And especially when you have a sister with a kid, and I mean that—that's a lot. So hat hat tip to sis right now. Mm-hmm. So she was going to be a social worker, and did you guys did you start asking questions or just kind of observe or or what made you wanted to go that direction? Yeah, I think it was a conversation in terms of the latitude that social workers do have mm-hmm. in terms of where they can or cannot work. And, you know, there's insurance companies have social workers, right? Mm-hmm. They have they have social workers as therapists. They also have social workers as auditors. You can work in medical settings. You can work in the VA system. You could do private practice. You could do county level work, right? Hospital inpatient psych. And then as I got, as I finished my bachelor's, I started thinking, I was like, well, to really do therapy, I need my master's. Mm-hmm. And then that's what kind of pushed the master's piece. Okay. And and when did, when, when did you get your master's? So 2016 to 2017 here in Denver. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, fairly quickly considering. Yeah. So I did, my undergrad took me four and a half years. Mm-hmm. Because again, I, I took the minimum for the first few semesters just to like build some momentum and make sure I can keep up with the coursework. Mm-hmm. And then I think, so the second year I actually moved on campus 
And then I had three different roommates. And I believe the first semester I still took minimum just to make sure I could kind of do that transition. Mm. And then I started, you know, going 16 credits, 17 credits semesters. Okay. Um, but by that time I still needed to take an extra semester. So. All right. And then from what I heard earlier, I mean, you said that the, the number of opportunities and jobs that were available, but I think before you also said that it was, you just wanted to do something that was helpful. You, you mm-hmm. learned that in, do you look back at that time? Are, are there people like in the medical community or therapists that mm-hmm. you look back at and say, wow, this person really changed my life or was the, the yeah. one person that kept me going? Yeah. I mean, I actually messaged on the anniversary on the seventh, the two speech therapists I had, the one that was up okay. to my mom's, my mom's boob in the ICU. <laughs> and, um, and then she left for or no, I can't remember if she left or be, it was because I transitioned off the ICU and then she left. I can't remember, but she went to take another job. And then I, I met with another speech therapist who then did my inpatient rehab all the way to my, all the way through my 17 months of speech therapy. So yeah, I actually okay. shot them a message and I was like, Hey, 14 years, you know, thank wow. you. That's cool. I, I just going to say, I can see how just, Sending all these messages on the anniversaries. It just seems I like know, you're really great. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 but I, I, I mean, I can see the faces you make when you talk about these people and mm-hmm. I, I can tell that there's a lot of, you know, admiration, love, whatever the words are, but that's, that is kind of great to, to hear. Mm-hmm. So, so now tell me about current Daniel. You're, yeah. you are a therapist now. Is that right? I am. I am. So actually, I'm doing two jobs. So I'm starting, I have my own private practice mm-hmm. here in Denver, Colorado. And then I also work full time at a psychiatric hospital. Okay. So Monday through Friday there. And then in the evenings and on the weekends, I do private practice. And that's really my my niche area of mental health, you know, mood disorders, bipolar, depression, schizophrenia, trauma, PTSD, and then also the TBI piece. Um, okay. So I work with people who do have TBIs and don't, but mm-hmm. that definitely that TBI piece of recovery um, and really trying to work on attention and focusing and even taking care of, you know, there's a lot of identity shifts that come with a TBI. How um, so? So like, what's up? How so? Yeah. So, you know, for me going 17 year old that could hang out with friends till two, three, four in the morning mm-hmm. and now I can't. Right. So my social identity has shifted. If I would have been 10, 15 years older and had a family and had a TBI, maybe I can't do the job, right, that I once did. True. So now my family has a whole, a huge quality of life adjustment, right? So, you know, various areas go through different identity shifts, grief and loss. Like we can do a lot of work around that. Mm-hmm. Guilt, shame, um, embarrassment, right? If you can't walk or, you know, like when I was in, when I was in inpatient rehab, like a, I couldn't shower alone because I needed to be held up, right? Like you're a 17 year old independent person and you have to be mm-hmm. held up. It's like, that's, that's a weird feeling. Now, a lot of the things that you're talking about sound very familiar to me from going through, uh, you know, uh, working with a mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. What, what, what's the difference between a social worker and a mental health therapist? I'd say they're pretty, I'd say it's how you view things. So like, 
social workers may view things slightly different than just like a mental health therapist. But I mean, social workers can be mental health therapists like myself, right? But our background in terms of how we look at things through theory may be slightly different, right? Okay. So, And there's a difference in licensure too, right? At least in Illinois, there is, I believe. Yeah. Here in Colorado, there is too. Like you have your licensed professional counselor, then you have your licensed social clinical social workers. And they're different licensures, right? Different accrediting bodies, different different accreditation standards from the universities, right? Different levels of supervision and training. So But a yeah, lot of the, the same types of conversations, types of theories yeah. and yeah. in the Venn diagram they seem to overlap quite a bit. Oh yeah, one hundred percent there is. Um so do you think that having experienced a TBI changes the way you approach your your therapy or i think there's a level of empathy with like maybe some people know that they want to change and they know that they need to change but you also can't rush that yeah right and like yeah if i could have did 17 months of speech therapy and a snap of my fingers let's do it that wasn't (laughs) how it worked right right and then you get people in that have childhood trauma Right. And they're like wanting like a quick fix. And that's why you see like you can see so many people who have trauma also have addiction. Right. Because it's that quick fix. Mm -hmm. But then that creates its own issues. So, you know, we can really get in the weeds. And, you know, I self-disclose like, I mean, it's on a podcast. So, you know, (laughs) like they're going to know that I that I have a TBI like one way or another. Like if I share or they hear and it's on my website, too. Right. And then I know like there's listeners around the world. And that's the thing is like LCSW licensure usually only pertains to like one state mm-hmm. or a couple states if you're licensed in different states. So like mine's only Colorado, but like I can do coaching outside of Colorado. Okay. Right. For like a family or something. Okay. And, and I was going to, I was going to bring it around to that. Like if someone wanted you're all to bro. work, with- you know how this works, man. <laughs> if someone wanted to work with you, how would they do that? Yeah. You can submit a form on my website. Okay. What's that website? Uh, www.revitalizementalhealth.com. Okay. And that's revitalize I Z E. Cause I know okay. some, some areas of the world spell it I S E. So, um, sure. and I think it'll be in the notes too. It sure will. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely do that. Now, what, what, I mean, when you're, when we're talking about this or, or when you do the coaching, is that geared to the people with brain injuries or? Yeah. Like a lot of my coaching is around just the TBI recovery. So what is, what is coaching really? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's something I'm also exploring, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, therapy deals a lot with like past and current stressors. And I think coaching's like, okay, here's where you're at. Like, let's get to where do you want to go? Right. And therapy has that too in terms of a treatment plan, but coaching is more, I wouldn't say it's as deep as therapy gets, Right. but it's like looking at strategies, skills, you know, how, how do we do these things? So, okay. Is that something that you can use insurance for or no? No, that's only private pay too. And, and, and my, my practice is only private pay as well, even for therapy. Oh, really? I love that it's confidential. Mm -hmm. No insurance is reviewing records. Sure. You know. Great looking website. Thank you. <laughs> is that you on the mountain? Is that what? Is that you on the mountain? On the oh, website? No. He can't no. climb mountains. He, do you know how easy he gets concussions? God, get over this. No, I, 
<laughs> that is not me on that mountain. Uh, that's me on the about page. <laughs> Met- well, meta- metaphorically, you're at the top of that mountain. Right, 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 right. That's, that's recovery, right? Yeah. For sure. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put this in the show notes and put it on our Facebook and do all that good stuff. We, we are starting to add resources just to our website too. So I think that this is probably a good resource to add. So it'll be out there. And that's one of the wonderful things about this podcast is, you know, there, there are people out there who are listening, who have had experiences like yours. And I think for sure, uh, I think for sure, for sure, we'll benefit from the, the story. If not, you know, they may not be able to reach out to you or work with you in the future. And hopefully there are people that will, but to hear your story and understand. And I can only imagine that as a therapist that you can get a connection with people when they realize that you're human too and have mm-hmm. been through some incredible, well, some incredible, but some incredibly hard experiences you know, in some ways, you know, harder than others. I I, I don't compare, but in some yeah, ways, not as hard as others. But it it certainly sounds like it wasn't easy, and yeah. you know, I I think that you're an amazing person to come out the other side and be able to turn it into something positive. And it, you you said it earlier, positively terrible, right? Right. You know, and it sounds like you have an outlook that is a lot like ours here and you know you'll you'll have to put our our, our get a fucking therapist t-shirts on your page someday <laughs> maybe maybe if i could get that um i don't have any tattoos but if i could get that logo on a t-shirt <laughs> okay well that th- those are the plans we've got We've got some shirts in our heads right now that we haven't designed yet, but we're definitely going to start doing that. And we do. We got shirts on our website. We do have shirts on our website. Oh, that, that is the one. Wait, which one do we, let's get a fucking therapist. That's the one we have. Oh, okay. Uh, But the decent fucking human is the one that, okay. So that that one's in the works. Yeah. 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 Uh, And, and legit, I, Dan and I, Dan doesn't know we're going to talk about that in the next couple days, if not a couple minutes when we log off of this, (laughs) because I do need to talk to our designers about what their next projects are. And hopefully we'll have some more cool stuff on the site very soon. Uh, But Daniel, this was amazing. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for allowing me some space to share my story and just kind of get it out there for other people to hear if they're going through a rough a rough spot. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's such an amazing thing and you've probably heard me say it before, but it's it's humbling to have people willing to share and I I know you're not just sharing to me, right? You're you're doing this for the greater good to get people to hear this message, but it's it's not something everybody's willing to do and I, you know, it's, I'm grateful that you're, well, first that you made it through and came out on the other side, mm-hmm. but also grateful and humbled and all of those words that I struggle to come up with to tell guests just how happy and I am that you were willing to share with us and our listeners. So, you know, I think, I, I think I said it earlier that, uh, the decent fucking human, you, you passed the decent fucking human test. Indeed. This has been a wonderful hour to spend with you. And as always, it's been absolutely positively terrible. I met you back at
I was nervous and stressed because I thought you were the best I was right. Positively Terrible is a part of the Terrible Podcast Network.